0: Welcome to Making a Difference, a Junction Journalism production. This episode was produced by journalism students at the University of the Sunshine Coast on Gubby Gubby Country. I'm Julia Forbes.
1: And I'm Ella Bradford. In less than 12 months, the world's best athletes will gather in Paris for the Olympics and Paralympics. In this episode, we speak to Paralympic athletes about the challenges and their aspirations of competing at the elite level. First up, one of the common themes the athletes raised in our interviews. Was the awkward way
0: people approach them. The athletes we spoke to say people, including reporters, seem tentative, even scared, to talk to someone with a disability. So they gave us some advice that we think everyone might benefit from.
2: I'm very open to people asking me questions. I'm curious about other people's disabilities so I can understand how people would be curious about mine and I'd just prefer them to come and come up and ask me, like, not in a rude way, just say, hey, like, I'm curious about
3: this. I think just to be aware that, like, it just doesn't really change who we are. It's just different learning barriers, I guess.
4: I don't think there supposedly has to be a right way. I mean, as long as you're polite.
5: First impressions count, and uh, introducing you to someone is a very important thing to do. Um, and the simple fact of a handshake, I think, is very important.
3: People are a little bit... Um, cautious and maybe beat around the bush a little bit and ask if they can ask a question. I am an athlete that is wanting to win a gold medal. So that's what I want to be asked about, about what it's like to, to play wheelchair basketball for Australia. So I really want to answer those questions about what it's like to be an athlete.
4: I mean, we're just like everybody else, so there's no reason to treat us any differently. So just come up and ask us
3: just ask us a question. So I really encourage people to ask us those questions.
1: And now to the first of our interviews with the para-athletes. Emily Beecroft is a two-time Paralympic swimmer, having made her debut at the 2016 Games in Rio. Medal success came five years later in Tokyo when she won silver and bronze in the relay events. Emily was born with a deficiency in her right arm and is deaf in one ear. She starts off by telling me the first time she dreamt of becoming a Paralympian. I think I was
4: in Year Six at the 2012 uh, London Paralympic Games, and I remember sitting in class watching the swimming, and um, I saw Ali Cole, um, who's a uh, yeah really famous Australian swimmer, and um, she was like winning all of the races, and um, yeah, I was myself that I wanted to be just like her, and. Um, yeah, I guess um, that's what started my dream of going to the Paralympics. What's your favourite Paralympic memory? Oh, that's a good question. There's so many. Oh my god. Um, probably uh, making my first Paralympic team in 2016 for the Rio Games was pretty special. It was definitely very unexpected. Um, and I performed really well at those games. Um, I made finals in all of my events and got PBs in all of my events. So, um. Yeah, I was really happy with that. I came 4th and my fifty, made a freestyle, which was really exciting and, yeah, totally unexpected. Um, So probably, yeah, making my first Paralympic Games was, um, yeah, a real highlight.
3: She was off so quickly, out of lane 7. The start was outstanding. 0.66 her reaction time. That's very, very quick. And she swam another PB again,
6: 29.33 tonight.
1: Who have been the most important people in your life and how have they, like, impacted you in your swimming? Yeah, definitely. My family. Um,
4: I'm super close with all my family. Um, I'm a triplet, so I grew up. I'm um, super close with my two sisters. Um, and uh, my older sister, or my yeah, I'd say my older sister. My sister Kaylee. Um, is the one that um got me started in swimming. She um joined our local swim club, and then I had to do everything she had to do. So, um, yeah, I followed her, and then um yeah, kind of all escalated from there and uh, my family's been super supportive Uh, throughout my whole career. um, My parents literally would drop everything in a heartbeat to um, help me with my swimming. So um, yeah, definitely my family are my biggest
1: supporters. Being a triplet's pretty amazing. Has it been helpful having their support throughout your swimming career? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, they were my um, best friends
4: growing up. So uh, yeah, it's really nice to have them by my side as yeah, growing up as, a like, uh, I suppose an elite athlete is pretty tricky as well. We don't get to socialise as much, so it's um, sometimes difficult to, like, make lots of friends. But I suppose having um, those two, I didn't really have to worry about that because I
1: always had them. And who would you say has been, like, your mentor throughout your life?
4: Yeah, I suppose if I had a few, definitely um, my coaches. I was with um, uh, my co- my first coach for over. 12 years um so um he taught me a lot and um then I moved up here to the Sunshine Coast at the start of last year um and I joined a program coached by Nathan Doyle and um yeah he's definitely a really big mentor of mine he taught me so much in just uh nine months of working with him which was um yeah really special and um we clicked really well so um yeah definitely all of the coaches that I've had over the years um yeah have taught me a lot. What motivates you
1: to continue like pursuing your swimming goals?
4: I suppose um, I've been swimming for over 13 years now, so, um, yeah, it's definitely a pretty special job to have, So, I would, um, but it can be quite difficult as well. But I like um, the fact that I get to turn up to my job every day and get to try and improve myself little bit by little bit. Um, there's always something that I can work on. So I suppose um, one of my motivations is, um, yeah, just trying to um, make myself better every single day.
1: So how did you feel when you first became like a Paralympic medalist?
4: Uh, yeah, pretty special. I mean, those games, um, the, yeah, the Tokyo Games were pretty different than what I had, I had imagined um, when I started my swimming career. I, would, um, I said that the Tokyo Games was um, my goal and that they were the first games I was going to make. But then I got pretty lucky and I made the games beforehand in Rio, um, so yeah, I I had always like dreamt of going to the Tokyo Games and then it turned out pretty different to what I I had expected, um, being uh, yeah a COVID year and everything. But um, yeah, it was um, definitely pretty special getting my first Paralympic medals um, in both of the freestyle and medley relays. Um, yeah, and I think it made it even more special getting to um, yeah, share the podium with three other girls that uh, who I was really close with and, um, yeah, it was pretty special.
1: And do you have any goals or anything you're working towards right now? The big goal next year of Paris 2024 Paralympics. And how do you think that the next generation can be, like, inspired to get more involved and excited about the 2032 Paralympics?
4: I know for the from the Gold Coast 2018 Commonwealth Games, um, the... Uh, all guys in communities are always looking for volunteers and um, I think that's a really fun way that people get involved is um, to volunteer and help out. Um, I know a lot of people from the 2018 Games that did volunteer and um, yeah they had heaps of fun. They got to they got to see have the best seats in the house to watch all the action and um, yeah meet amazing people, amazing athletes so Um, I think if people are looking to get involved, um, volunteering could be a really good way to do that. Next
0: up is Jenna Jones, who for a long time never imagined life as an elite athlete. At the age of six, she was diagnosed with a rare degenerative eye condition that usually leads to total blindness. Jenna was one of six children, so the constant activity in the Jones household motivated her to get involved in sport, particularly swimming. And she was good at it a national champion at the age of 13, led her to a Paralympic debut at Rio in 2016. Jenna told me that it was a life-changing experience. And I just
2: remember the atmosphere was insane, especially on the last night. We had like the final relays happening. I was in the stands with the rest of um, the Australian team, watching our team, and I was holding my drink bottle in the water inside of it was vibrating that's how loud it was. I could not hear anything like if I spoke couldn't hear it it was so loud like that it was is insane from a young age, I never really watched anything on TV I mean I knew about the Olympics obviously I'm talking like I'm talking when I was ten I didn't really know anything but once I st- started getting into the swimming world and I started seeing Paralympic swimmers next to me um. And then I watched my first Paralympic Games when uh, twenty twelve. Then that's what started to inspire me. I was like, "Wow, I could be like this. I could do this." And even now, I am striving for my best in the sport. And I train with gold medalists and world record holders. And I just aspire to be like them. What is your proudest achievement as an athlete? This is such a hard question because I feel like it should be related to my sport but I feel like it's more the memories I make with and the friends that I make on the team and the people that I meet like so many people on the team have incredible stories and come from different backgrounds and I feel like it's just helped make me into a better person. I don't really take certain things for granted like even just walking so many people don't have legs are in wheelchairs even from other countries when we go away on a team um like to a world championships or or a paralympic games you see people from third world countries who are competing they can't even afford prosthetic legs like they use um crutches or they have to be in wheelchairs because they don't even have those things over there so i guess i take those things not for granted anymore
0: so you feel there's a strong sense of community oh yeah definitely
2: yeah absolutely um that's really the feeling that i get the most excited for when i make a team like i'm like oh yes i can be with everybody like and it yeah it's just it's so something incredible um so i was diagnosed with my vision impairment when i was 6 um my school teachers picked it up and then at the time our sport teacher at school he had done some work at a blind school so he kind of took me under my wing helped my parents out and like threw me into every sport possible just so I could experience everything Um, because at that time the doctors didn't know if I was going to go blind overnight or what was going to happen with my vision. Um, So it kind of just stemmed from there. And then um, when I got older, maybe like 10 to 12, I was really focusing on athletics and swimming. And eventually um, I had to pick one because it was just getting too much to be doing both, and I picked swimming. Do you have any mentors that have helped you and supported you throughout your career? Um, Definitely the mentors have changed as I've moved through coaches, but all my coaches pretty much have been amazing. Like They mentor me, um, my friends. Honestly, everybody in the sport brings something different, so I feel like there's not just one mentor that I have, but I take something from everyone. What are your goals right now? Long-term is... Paris next year for the 2024 yeah 2024 um, Paralympic Games and then beyond that um, just building my career outside of swimming as well.
0: What's the training schedule look especially
2: in the lead up to these kind of moments? Yeah so we definitely just upped our training load we train roughly 30 hours a week so, and then between those hours, if I'm not sleeping, I'm doing uni. If I'm not doing uni, I'm taking my dog on a walk. So I really don't have any rest time. Um, but yeah, about 30 hours a week, I do training morning and night, um, gym on top of that. Uh, we do like spin sessions on top of that. So on the bike. Um, yeah, so we swim about nine sessions a week. Then we do three gym and three spin. What do you hope people come to understand about para-athletes? There's a misconception around it that it's easy for us and that we don't train as much as the Olympic guys or we don't do what they do. That's so not true. Like I swim alongside Olympic swimmers in my program and we do exactly the same work. We train the exact same amount of days. Um, Sometimes we have to work harder because... We have to try and keep up with able-bodied athletes, you know. Like, so it's not true, and I just wish that people would recognise that we still have to work hard. And even though maybe the scene of swimming or sport for Paris aren't as big, like, you, like you watch an Olympic um, swimming race, and there, there'll be more athletes entered. That doesn't mean it. Compared to a Paralympics, it's not as hard. It's still hard.
0: What do you hope you can do for up-and-coming
2: Paralympic athletes? I just want to show them how much of a community there is out there for athletes and people with disabilities. And, like, they're not alone. Like, if they talk to anyone on the team, they've all had their stories, whether it's being bullied at school or struggled with an accident and that's how they got their disability. Like, there's a community for them to connect with.
1: This is Making a Difference, a junction journalism production by journalism students at the University of the Sunshine Coast. Now to an athlete who's at the end of his Paralympic career. Blake Cochrane swam at his first Paralympics in Beijing in 2008 at the age of 17. He was on the stage again in London, Rio and Tokyo, winning two gold, two silver and one bronze in those four campaigns. Cochrane, who was born with limb deficiencies that affect his hands and feet, says the Tokyo Paralympics was the perfect time to finish. He's speaking with our reporter, Bobby Wilson.
5: Originally, I wasn't actually selected to go to the Tokyo Paralympic Games. I missed the team uh, selection by the smallest of margins. Um, However, I was fortunate enough to get a late invitation to be selected for the team uh, due to some fortunate circumstances. Um, And so despite all of those interruptions, I was still able to train and and focus um, and attending a Games with with no crowds um, and then stepping up at the age of 31 years old and competing in my final event and knowing it was my final event um, to be able to swim the second fastest time of my career. Um, With all the things that sort of came together in that race, I ended up getting a bronze medal, but it's probably the most rewarding race that I've ever swum.
7: How did you feel when you first went to the Paralympics in 2008?
5: Um, it was an interesting one. I talk about this with the school groups that I go and visit um, and the excitement that I felt in being selected for that team um, and standing up and winning a silver medal. I, it was good because I didn't actually have any pressure on me at that point. I was just a young 17-year-old and I just enjoyed the experience. But yeah, I've, I've been a Paralympic record holder um, in a couple of different events. but. As an athlete, you just dedicate and focus yourself to your chosen event. And probably in the biggest training weeks that I've ever done, I was swimming up to 80 kilometers in a week, training up to sort of 24 hours. Um, So almost dedicating a full day to training uh, spread across the seven days of the week, incorporating swim, gym, cardio sessions outside of the pool, land-based physical preparations and activations uh, to ultimately be able to stand up behind the blocks and swim a race that goes for about 16 or about 68 seconds. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of time and effort that goes into that single moment. So um, yeah, sport can be pretty brutal sometimes, but I've been fortunate to be on the receiving end of the positive side.
7: Which personal mentors have helped you along the way?
5: I've had quite a few mentors and they absolutely drive you and guide you with their life experience. And that's something that I've always come to appreciate as I've gotten older to sort of say, I wish I had have known that before this point. Yeah. Um, So having those mentors that have lived that before and can guide you and advise you on those life challenges that you have that kind of come your way. It's great to be able to have those people in your lives that you can have that aren't just your friends, but aren't afraid to tell you when you're stuffed up. Yeah, you need that's those true. people.
7: Why have you retired, and how are you enjoying retirement?
5: Um, I honestly wanted to retire after t- uh, 2020. If the Tokyo Games had been in 2020, I would have been done after that. Uh, but because I pushed another 12 months, uh, kept going, and then it made sense to go another little bit to the Commonwealth Games. Um, but I was ready to retire. So since Finishing and hanging up my togs at the end of last year, um, I've loved it. Yeah. I've been able to focus more on family and focus and draw my attention to other passions that I'm uh, pursuing now.
7: Do you think Paralympic athletes get enough media attention both in Australia and across the world?
5: I think Australia's behind where other countries are in the world. I mean, the UK have an incredible model that they use. Uh, with regards to their funding schemes and the way they really represent their Paralympic athletes, they're much more inclusive around their sports. But Australia, in general, just has a culture um, where we have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome where we want you to succeed and we put all the emphasis on you, but then when you do succeed, we try and pull you down, Um, which is a really, really funny way to go about our culture, but it's sort of a little bit of the Australian way. Uh, But when it comes to Paralympians it would be good to have a few more of our athletes having that opportunity, having that exposure and creating opportunities for the next generation, um, but at the same time it comes with a bit of a double-edged blade. One, it can be very, very good, and then other times you're in the media spotlight, you've constantly going, got to manage your behaviour and what you're exposing yourself to, um, and so there's that risk versus reward, and some people don't like that. Some people don't want to be a role model, some people don't want to have everyone looking up to them, but... As an athlete, you assume that responsibility, whether you like it or not.
7: Yeah, I think that goes into my next question. Have you dealt with negative feedback on social media before?
5: Uh, <laughs> sometimes. Um, nothing, nothing too bad. In all honesty i've probably received more negative feedback on social media just from posting on things that are completely unrelated to sport <laughs> um, everyone loves to voice their opinion on social media and it's probably one of the things that i've learned from being an athlete um, and not so much being an influencer but appreciating where influencers develop their content to sort of know that people are happier to share their opinion than what they are to agree with something um, yeah. so if you post something controversial you'll tend to get more response than what you will just posting something that's normal so to speak
7: what does it mean to you for the paralympics to be in brisbane and in southeast queensland
5: i remember i went to the the announcement ceremony down at Calandra um And although there was a lot of talk that we were going to get those games um, to actually kind of hear that announcement and officially know that Brisbane was getting those games or South East Queensland was getting those games, I just remember that like instantaneous feeling of excitement and sort of getting those goosebumps because I've been to four Paralympic games. I remember watching Sydney on TV when I was much, much younger. And just the excitement and passion that come with these opportunities uh, is going to be an incredible thing for our region. And it's not just the Commonwealth Games that we had in the Gold Coast recently. The Paralympic Games and the Olympic Games bring so much more excitement and and attitude and um, atmosphere that they will be just a Games that we will remember.
7: Last question. What is the best way for Queenslanders and Australians to get around the 2032 Paralympics?
5: Get to know your athletes. Um, there's a lot of events and reverse inclusion opportunities that come with these different sports. And honestly, you don't fully appreciate how much fun and how rewarding they are. And I honestly feel that the sense of community in those groups is so much stronger than anything you'll get in able-bodied sport. Um, They're so welcoming, they're so accommodating, and the genuine sense of reward of getting to know these people that just adapt um, without any expectation of you to look after them.
0: Stories about elite athletes who switch sports are not uncommon, and Nathan Jason certainly fits into that category. Nathan seemed set for big things when he was a part of the Australian swim team at the Pan Pacific Games at the age of just 15. He has an eye condition that's left him legally blind, and the slog of swimming training and competing took its toll. But rather than quit sport, he decided to channel his talents into track and field. Nathan told our reporter, Ratnakorn Boontem, he hopes to make the team for Paris
3: next year. I kind of came into the whole para sport very late. My older brother is also vision impaired, same as me, so he was asked by the head coach of the Australian Paralympic Swimming team if he would come and join para swimming because he was just doing able-bodied at that point. And then I kind of got dragged into it as well because I'm also vision impaired and so I kind of just started watching him and he went from ablebods to Karath and went straight on to the Paralympic team. And then I was just, like, oh, that's, this is awesome. I want to get into this.
6: What has been the biggest setback in your life and how did you overcome it?
3: Um, I'd say the only setback I've sort of had in my sporting career, just mainly my vision of them, it kind of inhib- inhibits me in a way of like mobility and like independence. So I, everything else, I'm pretty sweet at. Like I can... Studying all that done, it's more like getting myself to places, like getting myself to training and studying and all that stuff. That's kind of the, the biggest barrier in my life, I guess.
6: Why did you switch from swimming to running, and what inspired you to do this?
3: Um, well, my dad's also. Dad was a very good uh, sprinter back when he was eighteen, so I've always he's always been a sprint coach as well since I was a kid, and I've just never really given it a thought. And then after swimming. It was kind of, I wasn't getting in like the results that I was hoping for and I was missing teams by like one or two places a couple of years in a row. And I kind of started losing the love for it. And then dad was still coaching all his athletes and I was just uh, decided wanting to go train with him just for fun. And then I was keeping up with him all of his best athletes. Then I was like, I wasn't enjoying swimming and I was, I thought I might need a bit of a change and it's worked out really well for me since then.
6: And how did your life change after switching from swimming to on It's
3: Drastically, pretty much. Like, I, because I was, wasn't enjoying swimming as much and trying to train seven days a week when you're not enjoying something, it wasn't the best thing for me mentally as well as doing So once I kind of changed and started really enjoying life, I you know, and like my training schedule changed. I had more time to see my friends and stuff and I, the sport change just really helps me and just everything, I guess, just life seemed a bit happier in that sense. So yeah, that was, it was probably the best thing I've ever done.
6: And do you plan on completing in the 2024 and 2028
3: Olympics? 100%, yeah. Next year is definitely the goal. The way I've been tracking with running, I only started last uh, March, so which was eight weeks before nationals last year, but I trained for eight weeks and had nationals and then had nationals last week as well. And the way I've been tracking is looking really good for next year, so. And if not, then a runner doesn't really peak their athletic ability till, like, 26 or so, so I've got a couple years left to keep going, I guess.
6: What do you hope non-disabled people to know about disabled people?
3: Well, every para-athlete is only what their disability allows them to be, I guess. Like, we may have, like, different barriers that we have to live around and try and work our life around, but we can still do 90% of what most normal people can do. Like we're not limited by our disability by too much. Like we're all pretty amazing people, I guess.
6: And what do you hope the role of sport look like for disabled people in the future?
3: I just hope that um, the younger disabled disabled athletes can start realising that there are pathways for them to do sport. Like just because of their disabilities, like they can't do sport, I guess. Like I feel like, As the sport grows, people are going to see it a bit more and they can start watching these athletes that are already competing and maybe we can inspire the younger athletes to kind of get involved and it's only going to make a sport greater as the years go on, I guess. So hopefully just the young people just to see and realise that there's things that they can do and they can come and join us, I guess.
6: And what will you be doing professionally if you want doing sports? Well,
3: I'm actually studying um, counselling at the moment and I've always loved... um, like helping people, even as a kid. Like I've done a lot of like, I've done a lot of programs where we help like people with disabilities, to like learn to surf and different stuff like that. So I've always just had a big soft spot for helping people. So yeah, if I wasn't doing sport right now, then yeah, I'd be ripping into that, being getting into counseling. And
0: that interview with para
1: athlete, Nathan Jason finishes our program. Making a Difference is produced every month. You can subscribe on your favourite podcast app. For more stories from the best student
0: journalism in Australia, go to our website, junctionjournalism.com. I'm Julia Forbes.
1: And I'm Ella Bradford. Thanks for listening.